Hey, New Life Gillette Church, we are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifegillette.com? Here is this week's teaching. Good morning to all of you in the room. My name is Pastor Karen, and I am overjoyed to be here with you this morning. We're in our third week of our Heaven and Hell teaching series. And so I'm kind of taking like the middle (laughs) and in the place where we are between heaven and hell, and that is our life here on earth. And I'm going to start by admitting something that is probably an unpopular opinion in this community, but I'm hoping that most of those who would disagree with me aren't here today. So, (laughs) you'll see why. I do not like camping. Uh, I like the idea of camping. (laughs) I like being in nature. I love hiking until we walk up to a rattlesnake, and I don't like it anymore. I like campfires. I like the peace of being out. I like the fresh air. But I've had a couple of experiences that have kind of scarred me against camping. First was when I was 16 years old. I went on a summer-long missions trip to Spain, but before we went to Spain, we spent two weeks at boot camp in Florida. And during that boot camp, we all stayed in these two-person tents. I took an air mattress with me because I was smart and didn't want to sleep on the ground all summer. But about two nights into boot camp, that air mattress started leaking air. And so by about four nights in, I was flat on the ground. There was no saving that air mattress. I was doomed. But about a week into this two weeks, it started raining. And I mean, deluge. I, we had a huge, huge storm. And the tent that I was sleeping in did not protect me from that. In fact, after a a night, my sleeping bag became a waterbed, and I was sleeping in sopping wetness. I mean, soaked. My tent had let me down. Fast forward a few years, and we have kids, and Andrew and Kalena want to sleep in a tent. They want to go camping. So we're like, we'll set it up in the backyard, just see how they do. So we put up a tent in the backyard, and um, I'm going to sleep in the tent with them. I don't know why that was the decision. In hindsight, I realized that that was a poor decision. So I decided I'm going to sleep in this tent with these kids, and just in case anything happens, I took the baby monitor in the tent with me so I could radio into Paul if I had an emergency. Well, lo and behold, in the middle of the night, I hear rustling right outside the tent. So I grab the baby monitor. I'm like, hey, Paul, I think there's an animal out here. So Paul comes busting out our back door, swinging a baseball bat and hollering. And I'm peering out the tent window and I see a giant raccoon lumber away down the street. That was the night that I decided that in order for me to go camping, there needed to be walls between me and the wildlife. I don't do tents anymore. Tents scare me because this is a piece of nylon between me and that raccoon and his teeth and his claws. I feel much safer in a house than I do in a tent. Why? Because tents don't protect you well from the elements. When you are in a tent, you are vulnerable. 
right? But the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1, that our bodies are just like a tent. Here's what I know about tents. Tents are limited, right? They're limited. They let water in. They would have let that raccoon in if he tried to come in. Also, a tent is a temporary dwelling. You can go ahead and put the list up here. John, thanks. A tent is a temporary dwelling, right? We don't pitch a tent and then live in it for the rest of our lives. It's temporary. It's going to wear down. It's going to break down. And a tent is not our home. It's not somewhere that we are supposed to go and live forever. Now, my tent, this body that I have, has let me down through my life. And if you had all day, I could stand here and tell you all of the ways that this body has let me down. But in this past month, I've become increasingly aware of how broken down and weary my body is. You see, about a month ago, I received a diagnosis. Actually, I received a couple. The first one is that I have at least one, probably two forms of autoimmune arthritis. One of those forms of arthritis is going to cripple me over time. My spine is going to fuse to itself and I'll eventually lose all mobility. And the very next day, I was diagnosed with uveitis, which is an inflammation of the interior of my eyes. It causes pain, causes my vision to be blurry. Sometimes I look like I'm like looking through sparkles and I can hardly see what's out there. And if it's not treated well and appropriately, I will lose vision as well. So my body has let me down. I realize that this tent that I live in isn't much better than that tent right there. And I've had to come to terms with the fact that my tent is fragile and frail and it's limited. But I know that I'm not the only one in this room who feels that way, right? Some of you have tents, bodies that have let you down as well. So we're gonna try and have a little bit of fun with this. I've asked a few friends to come up here. They're gonna stand right here in front of the stage and we're gonna play a game, but they're not the only ones that are gonna play a game. Okay, come on up, Pakulas. You're gonna stand right here in front of me. We're gonna play a game. I'm going to read a bunch of different ailments. <clears throat> okay? And as I read them, you're all gonna keep track of how many of these you have had. Just stand right here so everybody can see your pretty faces. You can look at them, that's fine. Yeah, all right, this is what's gonna happen. Whichever Pakula has had the most of these ailments is going to win a prize. I'm gonna read 16 different ailments. I've had 12. <laughs> um, and if anyone in the room, keep track yourself, if any of you have had all 16, you steal the prize from them, okay? I mean, like, hands down, you're the winner. All right, here we go. First one is broken bone. If you've had a broken bone, you put up one finger. All right, any type of digestive issues? I'm not gonna say what those are. Any type of surgery, <clears throat> yeah. All right, lung issues like asthma, COPD, anything like that. Uh, birth defect of some sort. Skin issues, rashes, things like that. Cavities. Good thing we're not counting one by one, right? Okay, um, you've ever needed physical therapy. Arthritis, yeah. Uh, need corrective lenses. <laughs> Cancer. Headaches. 
cold or flu? Valerie, can you bring me a tissue, please? I have a cold. Um, autoimmune disease. Allergies. Heart attack or stroke. Thank you. All right. Who's got the most? Trent's got 10. Trent can win. Does anyone in the room have all 16? I can't see. Yell really loud. Okay. All right, Trent. Um, <laughs> all right. Thank you guys for playing our game. This is a game that none of us wants to win, right? None of us want to win a game of who is the most decrepit, <laughs> right? None of us want to want to win that game, but basically we are all roughing it, right? We're all roughing it. We all are living in tents, and these tents that we're living in are limited. Let's talk again through that list of truths we know about tents. Your tent body is limited, right? It has limits. We can see that trends in a sling. Your tent is a temporary dwelling. It's not made to last forever. And your tent body is not your home, but you do have a home. And what we know about home affects life in the tent. What we know about home affects life in the tent. When you walked in today, you were handed a card. If you didn't get one, you probably want to jump up and go get one because we're going to use it for the rest of this service. On that card, there's a passage from 2 Corinthians. And we are going to go through that passage, not once, not twice, but three times today. And we're going to look at the different colored words each time we do because they tell us a different part of this story about what we know about home affecting life in our tent. First, we're going to look at the green words on that card. These words represent the struggles that we all face because we all live in a broken world with broken bodies, okay? The first of those words is 2 Corinthians 4, 18. It says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. We all share a common human experience, and that is pain, right? We all face troubles, all of us face pain. In fact, Jesus promised it to us, right? He said, in this world, you will have troubles. None of us are immune to the pain of this world. Chapter five, verse two, skip down to the next screen words, says, we grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on heavenly bodies like clothing. Now, that new clothing phrase probably resonated better with the original audience than it does today. But the Jews at that time believed that our physical body was just clothes for our person, for our spirit, right? And they thought that when our bodies died, our spirits were naked. So they were worried about this. They were worried about what's going to happen until Jesus returns. If I die now, I will have a naked spirit. We don't maybe think that way, but we can resonate with this. We grow weary, right? We understand that. We get the fact that we live in these bodies that hurt. We grow tired of living in these bodies. And if you don't get it yet, you're far younger than me and you will soon. I promise you're going to understand this. The next verse, verse four goes on and it says, while we live in this tent, these earthly bodies we groan and sigh. Anyone out here a sire or a groaner? Put your hand up. 
You can, yeah, go ahead, tell your spouse. Yeah, you sigh all the time, right? Yes, okay, I am too. I sigh and I groan. In fact, I sit at my desk some days and when my neck starts getting stiff, I guarantee the people in the next office hear me (sighs) sighing. And if I sit on the floor and play with Daniel too long when I get up and I'm like trying to get my knees to like come back to straight, I am groaning. It happens. We understand this, right? We groan and we sigh. But this word groan here in the Greek is actually referring to the noise that a woman makes when she is bearing down in labor. And we have all had days in this world where we understand that sound right? Where life in this world is hard and it is difficult and we are groaning in our spirits. Life can be painful. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 5, 4 reminds us that our tents are temporary. He says, though our bodies are dying and these dying bodies, who here wants to admit you're dying? None of us, but it's true. From the time we come into this world, every day you live, you're one day closer to dying. You're one day closer to death. This is a reminder that these bodies we live in are flesh. They are mortal. Everyone dies. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 6 reminds us that these tents are not our home. As long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. As long as we are on this earth, as long as you have flesh on your soul, you are not at home. Home is in heaven. But it's hard to remember that this tent is not my home, right? It's hard to remember that, especially when life is difficult, especially when I'm in pain. When I'm in pain, I focus on my pain. And I tell Paul, honey, I have this new thing in my shoulder and I think it's called impingement and it really hurts. And Paul says to me, life is hard, Karen. He says that to me and he is right. Life is hard. But the trouble is that when we start focusing on how hard life is, when we start focusing on our pain, when we start focusing on the tent, we have an earthly, fleshly perspective. It's not a heavenly perspective. Watch this video. You may have seen that, right? You may have seen that video before. It's a woman in Ukraine. Now, if I had played just the audio for you, you would have thought, oh, someone playing in a lovely concert hall, this beautiful concert pianist. But when you take that audio and you put it in context of the video that was there, we see this concert pianist playing at her piano in her home in the Ukraine that has been bombed and she is about to flee her country to save her life. And it gives you an entirely different perspective on what was happening, right, on on that song. When we are talking about perspective, context matters. And what's happening in this passage that we're looking at today is that Paul is taking our earthly struggle, the pain that we feel in our bodies, and he is putting it into the context of eternity. Because what we know about our home affects life in the tent. What we know about home 
affects life in the tent. Go ahead, John. So we're now going to look at the orange highlights on your verses now. These are things that Paul says we know. We should know these things about home. And you guys know what G.I. Joe says, right? G.I. Joe says knowing is half the battle, right? Okay, knowing is half the battle. All right, let's see what we know. We know 2 Corinthians 4.16, our spirits are being renewed every day. The very things that assault our bodies and break down our bodies, those hard things that we face are building up our spirits. Kelly Clarkson sang it. You all know, right? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? We know that. We know that. We grow through hard. We also know, next verse, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. The things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. We know that our troubles are small and won't last very long. Do we know that? I mean, talk about putting our pain in context, right? We're putting in the context of eternity. I have a 16-year-old sitting over here. She's already exhibiting some of the same symptoms that I have of this autoimmune arthritis. She's looking at 70, 80 more years if she has the genes of my grandmother on this earth, 70 or 80 years of her body slowly becoming more and more crippled. Do any of you want to go over to her and say, hey, Valerie, that's small. It's not going to last very long. No, right? Because our brains work on time. We understand time. We understand years. And we think, oh my word, 80 years more of that? That's terrible. That's so long. But guess what, y'all? We're wrong. We are wrong. 80 years is a second in the scheme of eternity. We don't understand forever. We don't understand that what we face now is going to be gone. And it's small, it says, in light of, no, let's go back. <laughs> it's small in light of the glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. There is no comparison of the time that we spend on this earth and the pain that we have now compared to the forever glory that is coming. All right. We also know, next one, that when earthly to earthly to live in, is down. That's when we die and leave this earthly body. We will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Guys, a house. We said tents are limited. They're temporary and they are not our home. But God is promising you a heavenly body that will not be limited. It's made by God's hands himself. It will not be temporary. It's not going to break down. It's not going to decay like your earthly body. The, tent, the home that you have in heaven will last forever. And it's a house. A house is a permanent residence. We will no longer be living in tents. We also know, 2 Corinthians 5.3, we will put on heavenly bodies don't worry, Jews, you're not going to be naked, okay? You will not be spirits without bodies. We will get new bodies. We also know, verse 5, God himself has prepared us for this. 
and as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. God has made us for heaven. And he is in the work of preparing our spirits and our souls for that perfect body that we're going to get someday. That's called sanctification. It's a big church word, but what it means is that the Holy Spirit is working in us now. He is refining us now. He is changing us now to make us more holy, to make us more like Christ. And it says he's given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. Now, my husband really wants to buy a truck. If he goes down to the car lot tomorrow and picks out a truck, hops in it, starts to drive away and says, hey, don't worry, I'll pay eventually and starts to drive off that lot, what's gonna happen? They're gonna call the cops, they're gonna stop him. He's not gonna be allowed to take that truck away. Why not? because they didn't make a down payment, right? He just tried to take the truck without the down payment. The down payment is his guarantee. It's his word that he's going to pay for the car. And God has given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment. The presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is God's guarantee that heaven and all of his promises will come true. While we live life in this tent, in this fragile tent, we are not alone. Kind of like how Paul came out swinging that bat, right? We're not alone. The Holy Spirit is watching over us. He's going with us. No matter what comes against our tents, we have the Holy Spirit with us as a guarantee. We also know in verse 10, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Now for Paul, this right here was just as important as everything else I just shared. Yes, there is glory coming. Yes, we have a homecoming, but also sobering reality, we're gonna stand before a holy God and we're gonna have to give an account for how we lived on this earth. What we do in the tent, what we do in this world impacts not just today, but it also has an impact on our eternity. All right, let's recap what we've gone through so far. So far, we know that we live in a tent. Our tents are limited. They are temporary and they are not our home, but we have a home. It is in heaven. The time we spend here is but a blip compared to the time that we will be there, which will be forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Ever, and there we get glory, whereas here we've had suffering. But what's going on here is preparing us for there, and there will be a day when we stand in front of God. All right? What we know about home affects life in the tent. What we know about home affects life in the tent. So here's where the rubber meets the road. How are you living in your tent? How are you living in your tent? We're going through the passage one more time. We're gonna look at the blue words this time, and we're gonna find out how we should be living in our tent. First of all, 2 Corinthians 4.18 teaches us we should be living with focus. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. We don't send our lives absorbed in the pain of this world. We don't spend our lives with our eyes fixed on us and on each other. We spend our lives focused on eternity, fixed our minds and our hearts and our eyes on heaven. C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity, if you read history, 
you will find that the Christians who did the most for this present world were just those who thought the most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. We need to live with our minds focused on heaven. The second way we should be living in the tent is in 2 Corinthians 5, 6, and 8, and it is that we live with courage. It says we are always confident. Yes, we are fully confident, and a better translation of that word confident is courageous. We live courageous lives. We don't live fearful lives in the tent. We don't live worried about the raccoon on the other side of the nylon. We live knowing that a new body has been promised to us and we can live courageously because the Holy Spirit goes with us. I can live a courageous life in the face of these terrible diagnoses that I've been given because the Holy Spirit goes with me. Third, you live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we live by believing and not by seeing. Guys, we don't see the end game, do we? We often don't see the end result. We don't even see the results of our suffering. We don't see what it's producing in us, and we don't see how it might be inspiring someone else. There are things that we can't see, but we know from Scripture to be true. And so we live by faith, believing and trusting and living by faith. And last, we live to please God. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Because we know about heaven, because we know that our time here is short, because Jesus died for us, because the Holy Spirit goes with us and we don't suffer alone, because we know that we will stand before the Lord some day. Because of all of these things, we live to please God. We live to please God, but that isn't just our goal for today. It says whether we're here in this body or away from this body, that's our forever goal. It is our goal for forever, to live to please God. So here we go. Again, to recap these four, are you right now living a life focused on heaven? Are you living a life that is courageous, even in the face of sickness and pain? Are you living by faith, not knowing the end result because you can't see it, but knowing the end result because you believe it? Are you living your life to please God? Or are you living a life that's focused on yourself and pleasing you? Now, living this way doesn't just magically happen, right? When we become Christ followers, we don't just magically start living with focus and courage and faith and to please God. If it did, we'd all be living perfect lives right now. But what we know about home affects our life in the tent. What we know about home affects our life in the tent. I want you to imagine something with me right now. Okay, let's envision this. What would happen Go ahead. If we all decided that we were going to live with our focus on home, how would that change, not just our lives, how would that change our families and our community if we decided that we were going to live with a focus on home? If every person in this room, every person online said, my focus is gonna be on heaven. 
What would happen if we all decided to live with courage? Because we know that the Holy Spirit goes with us. What if we decided that I'm gonna live courageously even in the face of my tent breaking down because the Holy Spirit goes with me. What would happen if we all chose to live by faith and not just live by faith, but remind each other to live by faith, even when we can't see the outcome of our pain? What would happen if we all decided that we were gonna use every moment we get in this tent to please God? What would change if we remembered that my life is but a moment and so for the moment I get, I'm gonna live for God's glory. That card you have in your hand right now, I want you to flip to the side that has the tent on it. We're gonna end this morning actually with a time of reflection. I want you to flip to the side with the tent. I want you to grab a pen out of a seat in front of you because the challenge I have is not just for some of us, this is for all of us. God isn't speaking to some of us. He's talking to all of us. And he is challenging you to live differently in your tent in light of what you know about your home. So while the band sings this next song, I invite you to pray. Say, God, how do you want me to live differently? What about my life in the tent needs to change? Do I need to have more faith? Do I need to have more courage? God, am I not pleasing you? God, what do I need to do differently in my moment on this earth so that you will be glorified? And then when you figured out what it is that God's calling you to do, I'm gonna challenge you to stand, step into that, stand up while they're singing and say, God, I'm giving you this card. I'm going to take the step that you are calling me to so that my time on this earth pleases you.